Welcome to This Week in Royal History, where we take a look at the captivating stories of royals from around the world, across various centuries, and explore the impact that they had on history and society. Through their triumphs and tragedies, these royals shape the world we live in today, leaving behind legacies that continue to inspire and intrigue us. Join us each week as we delve into the fascinating world of royalty, uncovering hidden gems and sharing little-known facts about some of the most iconic and influential figures in history. From medieval kings and queens to Renaissance princes and princesses, we bring you the stories of the royal figures who have captivated our imaginations for centuries. The Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. Imagine yourself transported back to the year 1767 in Charlottenburg, Germany. You find yourself in the lavish palace of Frederick William III of Prussia and Elizabeth Christine of Brunswick-Luneburg, where the newest addition to their family, Frederica Charlotte of Prussia, has just been born. As the eldest child, she is destined to lead a life of privilege and prestige. But as you observe the drama unfolding within the royal family, you realize that her life will be anything but easy. You discover that both of Frederica's parents are involved in extramarital affairs. In fact, her mother becomes pregnant from one such affair just two years after Frederica's birth. This scandalous situation leads to her mother being placed under house arrest for the rest of her life. You can't help but wonder what Frederica's life would have been like if her mother had been allowed to be part of it. Now fast forward to 1791 to witness Frederica's arranged marriage to Prince Frederick, Duke of York in Albany. The purpose of their union was to provide heirs to the British throne. However, the marriage was far from happy. They failed to conceive any children and were formally separated. As you follow Frederica's life, you see her living out her days in Oatlands Park in Weybridge, England. You sense the loneliness she must have felt living away from her family and without any children of her own. Finally, in 1820, Frederica passed away at the age of 53. She is buried at St. James's Church in Weybridge. Reflecting on Frederica's life, you realize that despite her royal status, she faced many hardships and challenges that many of us can relate to today. Her story is a reminder that even those born into privilege can struggle from loneliness, heartbreak, and loss. As you ponder the tragic life of Frederica Charlotte, your mind wanders to another royal figure who lived a similarly tumultuous life. Caroline Matilda of Great Britain was born on the 22nd of July, 1751, to the Prince of Wales, Frederick, and Augusta of Saxe-Gotha at Leicester House in London. Her grandfather, George II, was the reigning monarch. And despite her royal status, Caroline Matilda was raised away from court and under strict conditions with her mother. Even so, she was an accomplished linguist speaking English, Italian, French, and German fluently. At 15, Caroline Matilda married her first cousin, Christian VII of Denmark and Norway, 
who was just 17. She was crowned queen consort in May 1767, and the couple had two children together. However, the marriage was far from happy, with Christian VII having many affairs. In a shocking turn of events, Caroline Matilda started a relationship with the royal physician, Johann Friedrich Strunensee, by 1770. She gave birth to a daughter in 1771, and rumors began circulating that she was plotting to overthrow the king. Caroline Matilda was arrested and interrogated, leading to her divorce from Christian VII and being sent to Sell Castle in Hanover in 1772. She never saw her children again. Despite the tragic turn her life had taken, Caroline Matilda lived a relatively quiet life in Sell where family and friends visited her. However, her life was cut short when she died suddenly of scarlet fever on the 10th of May, 1775, at 23. Her short life marked by scandal, heartbreak, and betrayal, leaving behind a legacy of a woman whose spirit was too free for the rigid confines of royal life. As you consider the lives of Caroline Matilda and Frederica Charlotte, you can't help but think about the many women who have lived under the constraints of royal life. Your mind drifts back in time to the year 1491, when Suzanne de Bourbon, a member of the French royal family, was born to Peter II, Duke of Bourbon, and Anne of France. Her maternal grandfather was none other than Louis XI of France and Suzanne was their second child. Tragedy struck early in Suzanne's life when her elder brother died in 1498. However, her fate changed in 1503 when she succeeded her father as the Duchess of Bourbon in her own right, something she couldn't have done while her brother was alive. Her mother, Anne of France, became regent and raised Suzanne in the ways of court with the hope that she would one day take the throne. In May 1505, Suzanne married Charles of Montpensier, a member of the Montpensier Bourbon family, who immediately became her co-ruler in Bourbon. The couple had three children, but all died in infancy, adding to Suzanne's sorrow. Despite her royal status, Suzanne's health began to deteriorate, and she passed away on the 28th of April, 1521, at the age of 29. Her husband, Charles, remained the Duke of Bourbon, but never remarried, and he passed away six years later. With the death of Suzanne and her husband, the lands of the Dukes of Bourbon merged with the French crown, and the two most senior branches of the Bourbon family became extinct. Suzanne's life may have been short, but her legacy remains as the symbol of the power and constraints of royal life and the fleeting nature of human existence. As you consider the life and death of Anne of Bohemia, you're transported back to medieval England, where the young princess arrived to marry the king of England at just 15 years old. The wedding of Anne and Richard II was a grand affair, with lavish feasts and celebrations that lasted for days on end. Despite their youth, the couple's love for each other was evident to all who witnessed their interactions. Richard highly valued Anne's intelligence and counsel, and she became a trusted advisor to the king during their marriage. However, despite their deep love and affection for each other, the couple could not conceive a child. 
and tragedy struck when Anne contracted the deadly plague that swept through England at the time. The once vibrant and lively Anne, born on the 11th of May, 1366, grew weak as the disease ravaged her body. In the end, she passed away at just 28 years old, leaving Richard to mourn her loss deeply. So distraught was he that he ordered the palace where she had died to be destroyed, as if erasing the place of her death would somehow lessen his pain. Anne was buried at Westminster Abbey, where she remains to this day, next to her beloved husband. The tomb they share is a testament to the love they shared and the loss that followed her untimely death. Anne's story is a reminder that even in the midst of royal grandeur and privilege, life can be fleeting and fragile, and true love knows no bounds. Despite turning down numerous marriage proposals, Joanna of Portugal's family tried to get her to return to court several times. Even Richard II of England made a marriage proposal to her, which surely would have made for an interesting turn of events had she accepted. But Joanna remained steadfast in her commitment to her religious calling, and she joined a convent in 1475. Joanna's decision to become a nun was undoubtedly scandalous at the time, and it must have been a shock to her family and public. However, she remained true to her beliefs and spent the rest of her life in service to the church. Joanna of Portugal passed away on the 12th of May, 1490, at 38. Her story is a reminder that even in the world of royalty, one can blaze their own path and follow their heart even if it means deviating from tradition. Joanna's unconventional life is an inspiration for those who dare to take risks and follow their dreams, no matter how unconventional they may be. The story of Princess Joanna of Portugal's unconventional life as a nun reminds you of the complex and often political nature of royal marriages, which brings to mind Maria Anna of Spain. Born on the 18th of August, 1606, to Philip III of Spain and Margaret of Austria, Maria Anna was no stranger to political betrothals from a young age. After her first betrothed, John Charles, passed away, negotiations began between her brother Philip IV and James I and VI of England for an alliance through the marriage of Maria Anna and Charles, Prince of Wales. However, these negotiations eventually stalled, as Charles refused to convert to Catholicism, and Maria Anna refused to marry a Protestant. After years of waiting and uncertainty, Maria Anna finally married Ferdinand, King of Hungary and Bohemia, the younger brother of her first betrothed, and also her first cousin, in February 1631. The couple's marriage was reportedly a happy one, and together they had six children although not all survived into adulthood. As the wife of the Holy Roman Emperor, Maria Anna played an important role in advising her husband on political matters and acted as regent when he was away during the Thirty Years' War. Tragically, Maria Anna passed away at the age of 39 in childbirth and was laid to rest with her infant daughter in the imperial crypt next to her two sons, who died at an early age. 
Maria Anna's legacy as a strong and influential queen and consort lives on. And her story is a reminder of the complexities and challenges of royal life, where political alliances and family ties often dictate the course of one's fate. And that concludes this week in royal history. I'd like to give a special shout out to my newest patrons, Susan P., Eliana, Emily, Joe Beth L., Nancy D., Jim M., and Peter M. Thank you so much to my newest patrons, and thank you to all of my existing patrons as well. Your support means the world to me. Thank you. I'm Rebecca Larson. Until next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tudor's Dynasty podcast. You can follow and support the Tudor's Dynasty podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Tudor's Dynasty.